0: Let me just start by saying three things. One, I'm a little under the weather today. So usually I am bouncing up and down. So maybe this Sabbath sermon needs to come with a little bit more peace. (laughs) And God unsettled my stomach this morning for that purpose. But if I leave here not hugging and talking to all of you that I love, I just want you to know that's why. Second thing I want to say is that I really do love this church. And uh, like Tyler said, being a part of the board has been an honor these last 14 years. Um, This church has talked about all throughout the different Antioch churches we have across the nation and the world is just being such a beautiful, loving, passionate, sacrificial people. And I mean that sincerely. And and I might get to spend some more time with you guys the next four years, that's okay, because my daughter Mary Kate is gonna be a freshman at Texas A&M in the fall. So uh, we've had a lot of green and gold thus far with my children, so we're bringing the uh, maroon and white here. So... uh, Thankful to get to uh, get to come and um, <laughs> and be an Aggie um, with you, and not just a pretend one. So, uh, so, uh, and let me uh, on. You know, speaking about how much I love this church, also point to something that Tyler just talked about. That he's right. That we really have noticed in the last several years the that a lot of our leadership really is in a place where we want to give them sabbaticals. And actually, it's a part of the way that God actually programmed us, but we're probably more in a a retroactive mode right now. We're like reactive to what's going on, but we are doing things to put all of our leadership teams across the nation proactively uh, living from a place of rest. I'll talk more about what that looks like in a second, but that's something that's happening across the Antioch movement that I'm really excited to see. It's just taking a little bit of time. And if I had my others, it would not just be a pastor thing. We only know about sabbaticals and as far as pastors or um, professors go, but I think nurses need them. I think cops need them. I think teachers and principals need them, but um, I only get to control the church world. So I'm going to talk about that today, but I'm going to talk about how you get to play a part um, in that. But let me just say the, the third piece is that I really do love Tyler and Ashley, and I really am proud of the way they have parented their children, raised 400,000 dogs And also, love you so selflessly. And so, um, um, with that in mind, why don't we all stand to our feet for the reading of Scripture? Um, We're gonna go back to the Ten Commandments. Yahweh Himself is giving Moses a command, and it's for all of God's people, not just Moses. So, listen as I read from Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 11 that says, Remember the Sabbath day. And what are those words? Keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son, or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and consecrated it. So, Lord, we just pray that we, as we give reverence to your word, you would do a deep word and a deep work in us through it in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. You can take a seat. There's an ancient story that some of you may have heard before about an explorer who wanted to take off and do some real. Uh, wild conquest through Africa. So he hired a translator. He got some guides and they took off and they went into the African jungles. And on day one, they conquered more terrain than they thought was possible. So the explorer got really pumped for day two. And yes, they, they barely did it again. They conquered even more than they thought was possible on day two. So on day three, he gets up ready to just take over the world and he shows up at the meeting spot only to find that nobody's there. And so he finds his interpreter and says, what's going on? And the guy has to go find the guides. And when he finds them, they're just sitting around a fire, not moving. And so they kind of like, hey, we're paying you. Burning daylight, we gotta go. And the guides let them know he, they would not be going that day. And that infuriated the explorer. He had much more he wanted to see and do. And so he asked, why is that the case? And they gave him a one sentence answer. They simply said, they needed time For their souls to catch up with their body. And I think the fact that I just heard the church hmm, just now as I said that is a great indicator that some of you relate to this. Maybe more than you you care to. And it's not just because we're almost at finals time here in the college world. It's because this idea is is supposed to serve more than just explorers who are taking off on international conquests. In January of 2022, an article entitled Exhausted Nation came out. It revealed that three out of five Americans say that they are more tired than they have ever been and that a nap is not a viable solution, meaning if they sleep more, it's not fixing how tired they are. Um, another study came out about bur- the burnout of employees in the workplace. This is 2022. This is not like you know many years ago. 84% of millennials reported feeling burned out in their job. Other reports vacillated between two thirds and three fourths of workers who were saying they are burned out because they are always on. Now, some of them said it's because of financial stress or because they had you know, a ton of children at home that were just, you know, there's a lot going on there. There were other dynamics at play with some of these stats that you see, but here's something I want you to see. This captured my attention that only 25% of employees felt their company offered support systems to help them manage their increasingly chaotic life. Now, I'm fascinated by work culture and would love to maybe be in a consultant one day and go into organizations and help them do all this stuff. I get fascinated by this. Right now, organizations are freaking out and trying to figure out this balance of how to give people the rest they need so they can do the work they need. We're playing with four-day work weeks and schools are talking about this. There's all this that's going on right now and I believe there's a social dilemma going on and organizations are gonna need to figure this out as they go but they are never going to have the solution to give you the ultimate support your soul needs because your company did not create your soul. So if you wanna know how a creation works, you need to ask its creator because the bottom line is if you're living a life that is at odds with the way you were fundamentally created, then it is fundamentally impossible for you to experience sustained satisfaction. You hear that? If you're living a life that's fundamentally at odds with the way you were fundamentally created, then it will be fundamentally impossible for you to experience sustained satisfaction. We could take that from lots of different angles this morning, but I want to talk about that from the angle of rest. But I need to just acknowledge a couple things that right now, two groups of people have already emerged in this room. And there is Camp 1, and Camp 1's like, finally, I have waited 14 years for this sermon. I love rest. That's all I do is rest. I live in a prayer room, and I just let my parents pay my rent for me so I don't have to go to work, and I just rest and wish everybody else would. And then there's camp two. They're ticked at other camp one. And they're like, exactly. You go to the prayer room, you rest. We'll go work so we can pay your bills and we can give the tithe and we'll do all of that. And so I could just let a tug of war happen between camp one and camp two. And most of you don't know me. So you're just assuming I'm in camp one, that I'm the rest guy floating around, that I really just kind of stay at monasteries. I drive 15 miles below the speed limit. I'm an introverted type who has no social life, even less drive. That's why I went into ministry. I couldn't get a real job. And so you're just assuming that's where I fit. And that's why they brought me in to have this conversation. But let me just clarify Camp one is very foreign to me, okay? You're hearing a sermon today from a recovering workaholic who is still an adrenaline addict at the core. I once told my assistant that if we could do two days of work every day, then we could do the work that's needed to run the church that we were running. And specifically, let everybody know that I can outwork you, and I'll work you under the table. I don't care what your profession is. And I lived with that kind of arrogant pride for long enough until my body started breaking down in 2021. And I began to have panic attacks, nightmares, Uh, waking up at 3 a.m., not being able to breathe. My my mind would not shut off. I saw a counselor, and he suggested that I take a six-month sabbatical. And I went, oh, I'm that jacked up. I was like, can't you give me a pill for this? Like, I, I got, there's stuff to do. And he's like, why would you say that? I'm like, well, I don't know one guy that's taking a four-month sabbatical. His name is Jimmy Seibert. He's our leader, and I like haven't done more than him, so I don't deserve longer. And he let me know that I have a warped idea of what rest really is. And he said, you need six months, maybe longer. It did turn out to be longer, and I'm grateful for that. But he let me know that the real issue was probably that I didn't have the courage to dig underneath the hood of my car Because if I had to stop, I would have to say, what emotions are down there that I don't wanna stare at? What grief is down there that I don't wanna deal with? What disappointment is down there that I'd rather not deal with? And I'm a good worker. I can knock some stuff out and keep it moving. His challenge was simple. If you know Pete Cazero, he wrote Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. He defines um, Sabbath really as these four words, stop, rest, delight, and contemplate. John Mark Comer switched the last one to worship stop, rest, delight, and contemplate. And he told me, I'm giving you six months. I think you ought to do six months to do that. Now, you know, some people I would see around town would just make cheap shots about, oh, I heard you're on a vacation while well, the rest of us are all going to work, you know, and, and we get to be adults while you just kind of go do your you know, vacation thing. And I remember tearing up at times just thinking, if I could just get back to work, I could distract my mind from the dumpster fire of what is going on inside of me. Because I too thought Sabbath and sabbatical was for introverts who could just use Bible verses to justify why they didn't wanna be with anybody. And so now I was like having to be that person. But what I realized is God asked me a critical question during that time. And and Tyler and Ashley, I think God's gonna ask you this. But I think that this is not just for Tyler and Ashley. I think he's asking all of you as well. The question is not, if you're an introvert, you know, you like to be by yourself a lot. The question is not, do you like to be by yourself? The question is, can you be with yourself? And do you really feel the pleasure of God that he looked at you as he did when he created the world and said, and it was good? Do you believe it's good? And that's why the Hardys are going on a sabbatical. We want to see their soul be full, but it's not just them. I don't know if you noticed or not. We, the, the passage we just read, that was not for Moses. And that was not for senior pastors. Otherwise, if you're not in vocational ministry, you're stuck. You get to burn out while the rest of us go away on six month breaks. Like, that's not what was intended here. This was read by Moses to all the people, which means that there were single moms standing there listening to that. And there were single dads. And there were grandparents. And there were college age students, and there were young people and older people, and, and all in between were standing there as they were hearing not Moses' good idea for organizational sustenance, but Almighty Yahweh's words of how sustained satisfaction could be found. All right? Now you have to know that because when I start talking about these verses, people immediately go to two camps. They're like, they go straight to, um, well, Sabbath is the fourth commandment. If you break that, you're just like a murderer, you know? And so, and so we've got people screaming on this side. We've got other people going, well, when I read the Gospels, it feels like every other story is Jesus breaking the Sabbath. So I don't know why we feel the need to keep, keep it going. And a matter of fact, isn't it the only command of the 10 that Jesus actually didn't talk about? You'd be right. So we need to talk about why he didn't talk about it. And that's what I'm going to do today. And the truth of the matter is, I wish I could say, and I'm, and I'm an expert at this. I, I, am not an, an, I am not a sage at this. I'm an enthusiast who's been practicing Sabbath every week since June of 2022, and I've not done it three times. I did a funeral on Friday, didn't practice Sabbath. I came here to meet with you guys a month or so ago, didn't, and one other time. But I'm just, I'm about a year in learning how to live Sabbath. But what I found is that in between these extremes is this middle ground of invitation that is grounded in Scripture That has resulted in some delight inside of my soul. Um, But it has required some discipline. And uh, I want you to be able to know that. And also understand that this sermon, if you want to title it, title it the sermon that is very frustrating because I don't know how to do this. And you would be understandably there because it, I'm going to give you more heart than practicals probably, but I'll give you some practicals too. Let's talk about it. What it is, what it's not, some, some first steps you can take. First, why? Why did God want his people to take a Sabbath? We see it in Deuteronomy. This is the Deuteronomy version of the Ten Commandments. In verse 14 of chapter five, it says, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. He's indicating, by the way, that you're working for six days. So he's talking to people who have a work ethic, by the way, okay? If you don't have a work ethic, this is not gonna make any sense to you. But I'm dealing with a bunch of Aggies. That's never really been y'all's problem. So, um, This is the Sabbath day to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male or female slave or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the resident alien in your towns so that your male and female slave may rest as well as you. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So notice, there's two things I want you to see in here. One, he's saying, I'm commanding you to rest. And then he's gonna tell them why. Now, why is he saying, I'm commanding you to rest? He's talking to people who've been slaves for over 400 years. And some of us, we just have a responsibility factor built into us. So even when we're off, we feel like we should be doing something. That's why some of you, when, you're, when someone would ask you if you could come spend the night with them, and you didn't want to, you went to your mom and said, Mom, please tell me I can't spend the night at their house. And then mom would say, I can't. you'd be like, dude, I really wanted to. Mom said no. You, know, you needed your mom to give you a command. And the more your responsibility factor is high, the more you will need a stronger command to practice this rest. When, my, my, when I, my, we have four kids, my wife is, was pregnant with about number three. She was just struggling with carrying ministry and take care of her kids. And she's feeling sick and all the, all the above. And so she's trying to be like the go getter. And I'll never forget one of our people, one of our guys on staff came to her and said, Blair, why are you doing this? And she's like, there's just so many responsibilities and I just wanna be here to be a good discipler. She's listening out and he goes, I want you to go home, go get in your bed. I don't want you to get out of your bed until you hate your bed. Like when you're sick of your bed, that's when you can get out and you can rejoin what we're doing. You wanna know who Blair's favorite staff member of all time (laughs) at Antioch is? It's that guy named Kelly who was just like, You are commanded. And she's like, I have to. My elder told me I have to go home and, and stay in this bed because she needed that command. These are slaves so much more so. They need God to say, I'm commanding you to rest. But it's not just, you know, he's not just like that way I can work you harder on the backside and burn you out. He wants you to see the reason is your identity has been you are a slave. So he says, I want you and your family, employees, animals, even the land itself, to rest. Like he's put a reprieve into the DNA of humanity and even our planet. Why? To say, you're not a slave anymore. And if you are working seven days a week, you're operating in an identity I never intended for you. You're operating in this broken, fallen world that's going to try to deceive all of us. And this one thing, I am what I do. And then when we don't do that anymore, we don't know who we are. The empty nesters said amen, right? The, you know, the, the, the people who are going on a sabbatical or like are experiencing it, somewhere are on the front row like, yes. Like, I don't know who I am when I'm not doing this. Because if you never push the off button, something in you is training your soul. I am a human doing. I am not a human being. But you all have limits. Indicated by the fact that you students, if you pull multiple all-nighters, your body will crash, you will fall asleep. God built built that into your DNA, okay? This is why sleeping actually is a spiritual sacrament before God. When you go to sleep, you are programming yourself to be able to remember, I am off, God is on. The world goes on. I am not its savior, right? Right? Let's just do a little spiritual practice. Everybody pull out your phone. You're like, in church? Yes, in church. You've already been checking stuff anyway while I was talking. You might as well just let me see it. Don't put it on airplane mode. Turn it completely off. Do it. Chase Mark, send me, send me my phone right there. All right, so that I'm not telling them to do something I'm not doing. Off. How we doing? Yeah, we have people saying, I don't know how. We have people saying, who are fiddling with it, but you and I both know you're not gonna do it because you don't do things that people tell you to do in church, that's number two. And that's okay, we like that about your personality. Y'all make great leaders, we just have to work a little harder with you. Number three, certain people are like, I really want to, but you have a great list and it probably is a great list as to why you can't. Some of us are having heart palpitations right now because we have never seen this go off before. I was at a life group two weeks ago and I had them, I asked this question, when's the last time you turned your phone off? Two people while they were laughing said, when it dies. (laughs) And after we all kind of pulled the laughter in, I said, I think that's indicative of our souls. Like, we're always on. We don't know how to be off. So on my Sabbath day, I turn my phone off on Thursday night. I don't turn it on until after Friday at lunch come hell or high water. If you need me, you're gonna get on my wife because you're not gonna be able to. And we've had some crisis. People had to do that because I, it's not on. I'm actually doing that on purpose because one, I'm an OCD person who can really go deep into all kinds of media and binge and I don't wanna do that. But secondly, I'm trying to program my soul. It's off and I can still function. Part of me is off and God is still on the throne. This also speaks to another point that um, a, a Sabbath day is not a day off. I thought I was practicing Sabbath for years because I had a day off. But the truth is on our days off, what we do is we do all the work. We didn't do it our real job. So like I told Tyler the other day, so that's when we get all of our baseball practices together. We take care of our 400,000 dogs. You know, we might have to go help Ashley with Oakwell and kind of be in the trenches and all that's really good stuff. That's why God said work six days, rest seven. So sometimes that six days is when we do the garage redo that we need to do and, you know, go to the grocery store, do all that stuff. But this is not speaking to a day off. Um, this is actually speaking to a completely different matter where you do four things. I remember they are? Stop, rest, delight, and contemplate. Now, I'll let you decide if you wanna turn your phone back on or not. Some of you might just wanna leave it here, but if you do you need to turn it on, that's up to you. You just programmed your soul. God's sovereign, and he doesn't need me for anything. He's just inviting me in. Now, how is Sabbath designed to work? Let's look at Genesis uh, chapter one, verse five. I'm gonna actually read it. When y'all, do y'all have it up there? God called the light day and the darkness he called night and there was morning and there was evening the first day. Anybody notice anything about that verse? It's not right. I actually changed it, okay? Because it doesn't say that there was morning and there was evening the first day. That's not the way the Jews did their 24-hour work days. The right order is that there was evening and there was morning the first day. So the way the Jewish people live is that your day begins in the evening. Actually, you going to sleep is how your day begins. So that you you begin with rest and then your work flows from that place where the creative juices and your body has been recalibrated and you are now ready to step into work from the place of rest. And so that's actually how the Jews saw... Their their day's functioning. And so this is actually why I start my Sabbath on the evening before, so that I don't just like work all six days and then crash into my Sabbath. I'm actually starting with my Sabbath day and everything flows from that. I start at night and it flows from that. So I I wanna suggest if you actually take me up on this and some of you wanna try, that you would start in the evening and you would start with a meal, maybe you'll do this with others because you're gonna need help and accountability and learn how to do it together and you might like light a candle, read a psalm, something that would help you say, let's begin this in the evening. It's a subtle shift in mindset, but this is a monumental reality for your soul. I'm working from rest, not for it. Now, what do we do if we're actually gonna do Sabbath? All right? Do we just like read the Bible for eight hours? By the way, that's what I think you're gonna do. They all think you're going on Sabbath to read the Bible for six months and pray. When you come back, you'll look like St. Francis of Assisi and you'll have some great sermons, write a book, something like that. That's what they're thinking because we don't know, we don't practice this, right? And so, and again, and and Sabbath is weird. I mean, we're all kind of like, we don't know how to do 24 hours. So when someone said, Carl, do six months, I was like, I don't know to do 24 hours? How do I string together six months of these days? It's actually kind of scary. You might feel a little scared. You'd be right to think so. So what do you do? Let me just let you know. God tells him in Genesis chapter two, thus the heavens and the earth were finished in all their multitude. On the sixth day, God finished the work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it because on it, God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. Now here's my question. If God, who is a self-sustainer, or should say this, why, if God is is a self-sustainer, would he need to rest? Scripture even tells us that he doesn't sleep or slumber. You might want to look at this Hebrew word here. I love this Hebrew word. It feels like something that was fit into the Lion King. It is manuha. Can you say that? Manuha. Real deep voice, lion-like manuha. And actually this word manuha doesn't mean he's exhausted. And so he took a nap because he'd been building mountains and birds and stuff. This is what happens for those of you who put up Christmas lights on your house when you're like working furiously. And then that moment comes, you step back and you're like, boom, and it works. And everybody, you're like, everybody get out here. I didn't blow the house up. The lights were on. It's like you pause and you just delight in what you did. So what God was doing here was He was manuhahing. He was like, "Look at that! Look at the beaver, and, and and look at the sparrow, and look at the streams. And oh, there's fish. There's dolphins. He's he just manuhahed and delighted in what he had in what he had made." Dan Allender is a wrote a book on Sabbath, he says, what intrigues, amazes, tickles your fancy, delights your senses, casts you an entire, into an entirely new and unlimited world is the raw material of Sabbath. The Sabbath is the day to experiment with beauty that teases your hunger to know more glory. The only parameter that is to guide our Sabbath is delight. So this is why everyone's Sabbath will look different. Some of you are like basketball players. So you're like, let's get some people together to play basketball, it's my Sabbath. And I'd be like, well, that would be like the wrath of God to me because I hate playing basketball. So if I have to do basketball to be with you, I have to ruin my Sabbath to give you yours. So I'm not coming to play basketball with you. I hate basketball. All right. Everybody with me? But you may hate fishing and hunting and you're not going to find me on the ranch. You know, you're gonna find me on the ranch, and, but, but you don't want to do that. So everybody's is a little bit different. So my family over Christmas, we did a Sabbath meal. And one of the ways that I started with, 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 was with this Manuha principle. And I said, I want everybody to go around. We're gonna light this candle to signify it's starting. And everybody go around and say, what's one thing you accomplished this week that you're thankful for? And someone said, I made my boss smile. Someone said, I did not lose my temper on my teacher, though she deserved it. Like, Great job. You know, good job. You know, I got done with the essay. Mary-Kate got done with her essay that, you know, that she sent off to It's Like, it was just like, good We all just delighted in what we had done, all right? And I just wanna say this. I'm just gonna be vulnerable because everybody thinks as pastors, we just have like this 24 seven stamina to be able to pray. But the truth of the matter is that when I'm on vacation and I'm exhausted, I don't like praying. Anybody else? Am I the only one? I'm the only one. I'm the only one. (laughs) Okay, great. Well, I'm just gonna get it out there. It's hard for me to pray. I don't like on my day off to pray. I don't like to pray on my vacations. I don't like to pray when I'm exhausted. This is why... The reason for this, I believe, I just learned, is that intercession is the only type of prayer most of us as evangelicals know, and it is a form of work. Jewish people do not do intercession on their Sabbath day. They go to practice all other types of prayer. So what I find is when I don't, I spend time stop, and I rest, and I delight. Somewhere about mid-afternoon on Friday, I go, And it's like, I just feel my soul come back. And all of a sudden I'm like, I'm like, God, we got to pray for all these people. Like it comes back and I just get so excited to enjoy prayer, but it came from the stop, rest and delight. Everybody with me, but you're going to have to work hard at this. If you want to do it, it will not be easy because it doesn't come easy to our culture. But it actually didn't come easy all the time to the Jews. Let's look at Nehemiah. This is a little bit of a longer scripture. But it says in verse 15, he's like trying to rebuild the wall, rebuild a city, rebuild a vision. And in those days, I saw in Judah people treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in heaps of grain and loading them on donkeys and also wine, grapes, figs, and all kinds of loads which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. I warned them on the day when they sold food. Tyrians also who lived in the city brought in fish, all kinds of goods. They sold them on the Sabbath to the people of Judah in Jerusalem itself. Then I confronted the nobles of Judah and I said to them, what's this evil thing that you're doing profaning the Sabbath day? Did not your fathers act in this way? And did not our God bring all this disaster on us and on the city? Now you're bringing more wrath on Israel by profaning the Sabbath. As soon as it began to grow dark at the gates of Jerusalem before the Sabbath, I commanded that the doors be shut. I gave orders that they should not be opened until after the Sabbath. I stationed some of my servants at the gates that no load might be brought in on the Sabbath day. Then the merchants and the sellers of all kinds of wares lodged outside Jerusalem once or twice. But I warned them, I said to them, why are you lodging outside the wall? If you do so again, I will lay hands on you. This was not ministry time, okay? (laughs) From that time on, they did not come on the Sabbath. I bet they didn't. Then I commanded the Levites that they should purify themselves. Come and guard the gates to keep the Sabbath day holy. Remember this also in my favor, O my God. And spare me according to the greatness of your steadfast love. Do you see the intense discipline he had to do to make sure people just rested? You'll have to do the same thing. One of my my friends, he has four kids uh, and... They're the smarter people in their class. So they, and their, their Sabbath is on Sunday, which is probably when most people should Sabbath because worship gets to be a part of that. And he, he said, but it's so hard because every Sunday afternoon, they start getting phone calls from all their friends who didn't do all their homework, asking them to help. And he said, we break every practice probably known in the scriptures except Sabbath. So they had to tell their friends, I know this sounds weird. In my family, we do this thing called Sabbath. If you need my help with your homework, you'll have to call me by Saturday night. That's Nehemiah-type living. And so most high school students were like, we don't do it till Sunday at midnight, so I guess we're not gonna be calling. So they don't call. But there's a wall around their family that has helped their family enjoy rest. This is why a lot of times parents are like, I can't do Sabbath, I've got all these kids, and we've got all these things. And when I talk to those four kids, they just glow, and they're like, I know we're weird, but Sabbath is our favorite day of the week. Parents, you could actually help little kids, especially the ones who don't know what a Tuesday or a Thursday is. And they'll be like, is today Sabbath? They're like, no, it's Wednesday. Okay, what about today? No, you could create this light thing where they're like, this is amazing. I love this. And it's a part of their culture, not having to do what some of us are doing, go back and relearn the whole thing. People often ask lots of questions like, well, can I check my email on Sabbath? Uh, Can I watch TV on Sabbath? You know, when we start breaking all kinds of rules, we become very pharisaical. So I don't wanna do that. I will just say that you'd be very careful about doing those things because if that's your tendency is to knock all that off as work, that, or you know, I will watch a show, but I won't binge a show. I won't check my email. I don't, do the, I don't try not to check my text so that I can just be off and let God be on. Now, speaking of God, you might be thinking, we are only in the Old Testament. Is there anything in the New Testament? Well, as we start to wrap up here, let me read from Luke four sixteen. It says that Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. Notice those four words. As was his custom. This is why most scholars believe Jesus did not talk about Sabbath is because he didn't need to. It was just so embedded in the culture. And this is what he did. Not just him, but this guy comes along later named Paul. And in chapter 17, it says, and Paul went in as was his custom. And on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. And so it became a part of, it was a part of their custom. That's why it's not talked about as much. But if it's their custom, they know what to do. It's not our custom. So we might need help knowing what to do. So I'm going to give you seven practicals right now that you're gonna write down, take a picture of, or uh, wake your neighbor up and go through together, Okay. Number one, start small and build. If you're like, I don't know what to do for 24 hours, then do a three-hour Sabbath. Like, okay, I'm just gonna start tonight, and then I gotta do work tomorrow, but I'm just gonna start there. And then do, I can do five hours. Maybe I do 12, but start small and build. Tyler's gonna start small with six months, okay? (laughs) Um, Number two, have a starting point. Remember I said stop is where it begins. Have a starting point. This is why sometimes... We'll light a candle and I'll read Psalm 46, 10. And it's just like, I. this is my starting point. It's now beginning. Number three, you need to realize that up to that starting point is very stressful often. You are trying to crank out your last details. You're trying to get all the things you need from the grocery store. You're trying to pull all that off so it actually is stressful to practice Sabbath. Number four, consider doing it with others. I actually had a Jewish rabbi this last year begin mentoring me in Sabbath, so I would learn how to do it because he's good and I'm bad. And what I've really learned is this is such a communal thing. Their Sabbath is always with people. Um, and it's good to help you with that. Number five, um, young kids at, at, at the house. Um, you're gonna to have to help each other out. And maybe even just all coming together and doing a meal can be like, it seems a little crazy, it's a little wild here, but we're all getting to do this together. And so I'm not the one family that looks weird. Like we're all three looking weird. We're all, we're all learning how to do this together. And we're telling our friends we practice Sabbath and they might be like, hmm, that's a little strange. But they will look at you and be like, that's strange. Maybe that's why I can't sleep every single night of my life and I'm having to take medication and I need help. And you might create a culture that people begin to lean into, that's more evangelistic than your evangelism. Number six, think through your phone and media guidelines prior, and everybody's will be different depending on your life and your role. And number seven, communicate to those most affected by your Sabbath. This I learned the hard way, okay? So this was like, I didn't tell people I was doing this because I didn't want to sound all arrogant, weird, and proud, and then people kept getting, couldn't get a hold of me. And so then I had to, Let the people like my boss know that I practice Sabbath and so that's why he can't get a hold of me. Or if it's my daughter's birthday party that night, my wife and I need to talk about how that's going to look. Like, well, I'm Sabbathing. Guess it's on you. We're going to have to figure out how that works, okay? The main thing of all of this is it's going to require faith. We started in Exodus 20. Practice the Sabbath. Keep it holy, he said. The Jewish people were a holy people, meaning consecrated, set apart. And being consecrated and being set apart meant that the other nations would look at them and be like, that's so weird. So when they were told to practice Sabbath, they would be doing something that did not make sense. They were an agricultural people. So if they're not not bringing in the crops when it is harvest time, it's crazy. Like, what are you talking about? It could rain. The animals could destroy it. They were showing, we're off and our God is on. It required faith from them, it'll require faith from us. But I really believe as Tyler and Ashley begin to step out into the sabbatical and they practice Sabbath, they practice this sabbatical, it could be that some of you start, to start small and when they come back, we're, we're a family that's actually learning some of these rhythms, putting it into our DNA and maybe we're stepping back into the DNA of Jesus to run and then retreat, to push and then pull back in solitude and silence and see new rhythms develop. Sometimes we'll send people up here. We'll bring them up and they're gonna go to the nations. We pray for them to be sent out. Um, this is not an official send out, but Tyler and Ashley, I'd love for you guys to come forward and I'd love for some of your leaders to come up here and get around you. There's all types of leaders, so just come on leaders, whoever you are. Um, why do y'all step up a little bit because they may get it completely encircled around you. Um, they're gonna be here for several more weeks, like Tyler said. We're not, we're not sending them out today, but, um, but what I just said is really true. It requires faith. To do this. At one level, they're so grateful, they're so thankful. But you know Tyler, he's a, he's a worker. I mean, he'd rather just kind of keep plowing on ahead. It's, it requires more faith to pull back. And so, in the same way, we'd send out missionaries and say, go in faith, we're saying to Tyler and Ashley, go in faith and go with our blessing. We're not the ones looking at you going, well, if he was a real worker, he would be, you just take seven days like I do and get back, you'd be like, oh wait, maybe he's gonna discover some things about God and life and rhythms of rest and healing that could be revelation for all of us. And we don't know what God's gonna do. We're okay with whatever God does. And when he comes back, we're not gonna say, now start running faster than ever because we're gonna burn you out for what you just got. We're gonna say, we wanna learn, take it slow and just begin to let God do that. So a lot of times we'll do this in our churches. Just extend your hand towards Tyler and Adam. Ashley. And would you, if you're with someone, just begin to pray with them, begin to pray for that Exodus 20 faith to be instilled in them. Go for it. Just take a minute. Maybe even just as you're praying, also just wait on the Lord. Lord, is there anything you mean to pray for them during this, this season? Some of you will be going away for the summer, won't be here as much. What do I pray for them? What do I, how do I carry them? What scripture? What promise? We stand on your word, Lord, that without faith, it's impossible to please God. For those who come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Today, Lord, we just want to honor a man and a woman and a family that have sought you. And I pray, God, that even in this moment, you would instill in them by the power of the Holy Spirit a seed of faith, a seed of faith that though I cannot see, I will believe that though I do not understand, I will trust and walk Grab the hand of God and walk with him in this sabbatical. And I ask, Lord, that you would fill them with the Holy Spirit. We believe John 10.10 is true. God, that we believe that it's possible to have this abundant life that comes spilling out. And that's what we want for them. We want them to encounter that in Jesus' name. Y'all keep praying for them. Others, if you'd stand up, because I want to pray that over all of you. If everybody else would stand at your feet. The way we're going to end today is just by singing this song in declaration to God. And you might have to do a little thought process about this, but I wanna pray for all of you because a lot of you are out there going, I need time for my soul to catch up with my body. And so I wanna pray for you even now, Lord, for all of my friends, God that have been so faithful to Jesus and faithful to their families, faithful to studies and, and and faithful to their friendships and faithful to their extracurricular activities. And they've wanted to be faithful in little like you commanded us in scripture, but they feel the weariness of their soul. May they hear you right now saying, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. May they be able to, to come to and take on their, your yoke, Lord, which is light and easy. And just pray, God, that you give us all those practical handrails that we need. But more than that, would you give us faith to step out into the new life, Lord, to love you with all of our souls. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Why don't we just sing this song to the Lord as we worship him.